So I'm at a place because, um, well, I needed to be in a private place for recording. And so I found this place, Johnny. It's called Crystal Lake. <laughs> and you have to like go off this little bridge and down this dirt road. And it's all like cover the water. So I put the truck in four wheel drive and I came down here and I'm up against the thing and it smells like horses and cows. <laughs> there's all this stuff. Around, there's all these farms around and nice. And now this good old boy just, just, um, I mean, he might be a really nice man. I have no idea, but <laughs> just to give you an idea, but he's driving this big ass truck and he's got his Rottweiler and they just walked off into the distance. And yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The things you and, do for you the know, podcast. I, I know I jumped out and had it. I had to relieve myself <laughs> and, and, and I'm like relieving myself and I look up and there's a guy rolling down on his, on his boat. Oh man. <laughs> I look up. I look, he looks at me. I look at him and he's, he, you lock and I was eyes. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, lock eyes as I pee in my, my junk's in my hand. I'm just like, sweet. Oh, okay. All right, welcome back to this part of the country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That right there is Mr. Horsley. So come on in, sit, have a seat, sit, have a seat. That makes, I don't know what yeah, that means. Do it. Have a seat, relax. And today on the show, well, it's Jordan Bloom, isn't it? Yeah, man. Jordan comes on and chats with Melissa about MODOK, which premieres on Hulu on May 31st and talks about the new comic MODOK Head Games. And uh, if you don't know who Modok is, if you've ever seen the X-Men cartoon, he's the giant head dude that has like arms and legs coming out of a giant head. And it's kind of crazy. And uh, I actually have a toy of him from like the 90s um, X-Men show, right? There was a toy uh-huh. of Modok and I have it. And my wife keeps telling me to get rid of it. But they, certain kids keep going, no, I want to keep that. No, I want that. No, I want it. So they, it, it like floats around the rooms. It's pretty funny. Right, right, right. Modok is a weird looking character. And... Is he related? Not related, but this. There's the whole TV universe. You know what I'm talking about? Uh huh. In Marvel, right? Long shot came from there, and and they have um, God, what is it? What is the name of that of the main like antagonist of the TV universe? I I don't, I don't, I don't think they literally call it the TV universe, but like the whole thing is based off of shows, and you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Not really. (laughs) <laughs> no, you're helping. I thought Modoc was associated with that. Now, Modoc came from Tales from Suspense, Tales from Suspense uh, of Suspense from 1967. So he's been around for a while. No, I know that, but I mean, I'm just saying. I thought he was just like he has interacted with that universe kind of thing. You know what I mean? Uh, I probably I don't I don't see I don't know much about him. I just know he showed up in the cartoon. I've seen him in some things. He's a giant floating head with arms sticking out of the front of him. It's kind of funny. Yeah, he's got tiny arms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He has a new show coming on Hulu, which actually, which actually looks pretty good. I saw the trailer for it, and it looks pretty fun. And so I'm excited, right. I'm kind of excited for that. And I like, I like, I like the silly shows. I like the shows that like have fun with themselves. So this seems like this seems like that kind of show. Yeah, yeah. Mojo Vision. That's what it is. Oh, Mojo Vision. I think I, I think he's I, I think he's involved in that in some way. Yeah. 
Yeah, he might not be. If anybody knows, go ahead and hit us up and tell us how wrong we are. And yell at us. It's fine. It's fine. That's fine. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Do it. Yeah, and Jordan's the producer on the Modoc show, which is going to be, which looks as ridiculous as it sounds. And I, I, I said, I say that in a good way, though. Is it animated? It is. It's animated. Yeah. Oh, nice. Can you imagine they did Modoc not animated? Uh, it'd be kind of crazy. <laughs> I mean, I'm all, I'm, I'm all for it. Could they do it, it? Could they do it? Probably. Pro- I mean, they can do anything nowadays. Now people accept everything. You know. I get. I, I wish I was on this show because I want to ask. I want to ask Jordan and hope. I hope this isn't offensive, which means it's going to be offensive. Right, totally. But his last name, we pronounce it Bloom. And I don't know if we're pronouncing it right. Because it's B-L-U-M. And if you just see U-M, you say um. Blum. Jordan yeah, Blum. Would it be Blum? Jordan it, Blum? You know, it actually might be. I didn't actually check. I just assumed it was Bloom. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Jordan Blum or Bloom, and I hope that we get your name right at the beginning, but if we didn't, we apologize. Why don't we sit back and listen to, well, I'll, I can't wait to hear about Modoc because this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So here we go. Jordan and This is Spoiler Country and I'm Melissa Sercha. Today on the show, I'm excited. I get to chat with writer and producer of hit shows such as Community and American Dad, the very talented Mr. Jordan Bloom. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited you're here. How are you doing tonight? Uh, doing well. We are we are in the middle of, of post wrapping it up on uh, MODOK so we can get it to you as soon as possible. So a little exhausted, but finding that inner strength to talk even more about MODOK. Right. I hear you. Yeah. You're on that press release tour thing now. So you're probably like, okay, can I just get some sleep? <laughs> no, I mean, look, it's, I'm a Marvel comics fan, a huge comic nerd. So I will always be willing and excited to talk more about MODOK. Awesome. Well, we'll just jump right into that then. That sounds awesome. So it's it's coming out May 21st on Hulu. So, and it's based on the Marvel character, obviously. For those listeners who may not be familiar, give us a little brief, you know, description of what Modoc's about and yeah, and what the character is about. Modoc the show or Modoc the, the the more the comic version or a little of both? Well, yeah, a little bit of both. We'll start with the show and then we can we can definitely get into the comic book as well. Sure. So the show is about Modoc, who runs, is a supervillain who runs an evil organization called AIM that's hell-bent on taking over the world and, and building this scientific utopia. And Modoc, for years, has, has attempted this and, and has failed miserably. He's not, <laughs> he's not Dr. Doom. He's, he's a little more of a, a B or C-lister, but he would never admit that, though it, it drives him insane. And <laughs> he's finally run aim into the ground and they're going to have to shutter their doors and, and close shop. And a Google like uh, tech company swoops in and says, Hey, you know, we love what you guys are about. You know, you have some of the most brilliant mad scientists working here. You know, we're happy to kind of purchase you and keep you afloat as long as you just, you know, g- give us a, a, a cool little tablet we can sell it. Christmas and, and you guys just keep doing you, you know, keep trying to kill <laughs> Iron Man and, you know, take over whatever. We're not going to interfere. And Modox is like, this is great. You know, I have, I have funding to keep, <laughs> keep my, my dream alive, my evil organization. So he says yes. And it, 
ends up being the exact opposite of that. Suddenly he has to answer to a board and, and HR and it's <laughs> this kind of Silicon Valley tech company vibe infiltrates his, his you know, m- much more arch supervillain compound. And it's about this guy losing control, this control freak losing control of his company. And then on the other side of that, we, we find out that when Modoc leaves AIM or you know, hovers out of that Captain America panel. He goes home to New Jersey to a family that we've created for him. And mm. things are kind of on the rocks too with, with his relationship with his wife. And, and there's some kind of issues with the rest of the family. And, and very early on, he is asked to move out. And <laughs> wow. suddenly he's lost his company. He's lost his family. And, and this egomaniacal supervillain has to kind of figure out what's important to him and how he's going to get these things back. And it's a, a midlife crisis for a supervillain. Wow. Now, does his wife and family know that he's a supervillain? Yes, they're very flexible, ethically and morally. It's, it's just what dad does, you know, like, right, right you're going to change the world. Go do that. I mean, sure, you're going to have to, you know, level cities and, and destroy the Earth's mightiest heroes to do it. But, you know, we, we respect your dreams. Which is kind of an interesting dichotomy, considering that, you know, you worked on American Dad, who is like the complete opposite, you know, just like the CIA agent. And how fun was it for you to be able to rate a villain this time around? Oh, I mean, it's great because it's, you know, you can go a lot darker with it. And of course, you know, Modoc makes a lot of decisions that maybe most people wouldn't, wouldn't do. But I think, you know, the goal of the show was that you uh, invest in him and you kind of understand where he's coming from. And that, you know, even though he is a giant floating head that shoots <laughs> laser beams and disintegrates people, he's he's just a guy who's kind of driven to prove himself and kind of make his mark on the world and, and, you know, you're seeing him struggle to connect with family and coworkers. And, and it, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's a very relatable human story for (laughs) the kind of character he is. So that was kind of the goal was to, you know, I think they always say like, you know, every great villain thinks he's the hero of, of his story. So we kind of took that approach with MODOK as well. Nice. Yeah, I love that. I've used that one a lot, actually. So how closely does it follow like the and we'll get into like your version of the comic book as well. But I know like the original incarnation of MODOK. Does your show follow anything similar to that at all? Or is this completely fresh new take? Well, uh, you know, the world we're we're setting this in is a little more comedic and satirical. And, okay. you know, I think kind of similarly how like the Harley Quinn show is is a lot sillier than, you know, the, the actual DC comics. And, you know, so we're, we're, we're closer to that kind of tone or, or your Rick and Morty, but it's still the MODOK, you know, you've come to love from the comics or the video games, or whatever. He's, he's still this very arch, big, menacing super villain. You know, we, we play him a little goofier and, and funnier, <laughs> but, you know, AIM is there and, and a lot of the other characters from the comics, like the super adaptoid and, and his rival, Monica Rappuccini, they're, they're all pulled from there and a lot of his rivals and, and kind of bigger Marvel characters show up. So, you know, it's all the kind of trappings of the comic, but, you know, it allows us to kind of explore parts of his life that just we haven't seen yet, which is his family life or the more kind of mundane bureaucratic nonsense he has to deal with <laughs> at AIM. So, nice. you know, we, we, we start at the comics and then we kind of, you know, diverge from there. Okay. And you mentioned Iron Man. So you will be addressing the rivalry or I guess it's a rivalry of sorts with, with Tony Stark slash Iron Man. When does this come out? 
this can come out whenever you'd like it to. Uh, just if we can cut this out, uh, we are revealing that Iron okay. Man is in the show. Okay. Uh, at uh, WonderCon a week from Saturday. Okay, so we can I, we can hold off until then. Okay, because uh, yeah. then I'm happy to talk about uh, it because they just wanted to do a big announcement for that. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you want me to get back into it, yes, Wonder Man, or sorry, not Wonder Man, <laughs> Iron Man, let me start over again. Yes, <laughs> Iron Man will be there uh, to be a huge thorn in Modoc's side. I think mostly because Modoc's furious that Iron Man won't admit that they are arch rivals. I think Iron Man's shooting for a little higher than Modoc. And I think it, it, it drives Modoc crazy that <laughs> Iron Man does not see him as the threat. Modoc sees himself to be right, and from what I understand, it's it's kind of his fault that Modoc is the way he is. Correct, right? Is is that kind of the backstory you're going with? We don't we don't pull too much from that area. You know, there's there's kind of been a, like competing origins for for Modoc, and we even added a little to it in our comic. But you know, we Modoc has has been experimented on and is is the way he is. But we don't kind of dive too much into the origins in the show. We get one little scene that kind of shows the genesis, the birth of the supervillain in a very young moment in his life. And then beyond that, it's kind of immediate res. You know, we're, we're, we're picking up, he's been doing this for years. And he's kind of, that's part of the story too, is he, he's lost his way a bit. You know, he's lost sight of the goal and, and, and why he does what he does. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of gotten more fixated on like, all right, I want to, you know, get a black hole gun and, and shoot to Tony Stark into another dimension as, as opposed <laughs> to like, Oh yeah, didn't you actually want to make a difference and like change the world by conquering it? So we play a lot with that of of, you know, sometimes you you you're so kind of fixated on your goals that you actually lose sight of them along right. the way. Yeah. And I think that that speaks to a, to me sometimes and I think a, <laughs> a lot of other people that you you believe you have this life path, you know, set out in front of you and you know, life life changes and sometimes you got to let go of those goals or sometimes you know, you, you lose the passion for them and you got to kind of figure out what, what is the thing that drives you. Yeah, no, it's definitely relatable. Everyone can obviously yeah, relate to that. So that's cool that you're kind of taking that route and making it appeal, you know, to a wider audience as far as like, you know, we all love a good super villain, but are you going to be showing, you know, sides of his character where there's moments where we're like, oh, maybe he's not that bad. Yeah, because I think he's still at the end of the day, you know, trying to be a decent dad, trying to be a husband, trying to be a boss that people respect and look up to. He fails at it a lot miserably, <laughs> but there's there's fun relationships that that play on that. And I think, you know, one that I love is is his relationship to his son, Lou, uh, who's played by Ben Schwartz, where Lou is this like real kind of weirdo, which is saying something in a family of people with giant Weirdos. heads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lou, Lou actually looks very human. and you know, he just marches to the beat of his own drum and, and, but he has this like unearned confidence that drives Modoc insane because Modoc is super self-conscious and he's, and he's super in his own head, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge head. So it's not that hard, but like, he's, right. <laughs> he's, but he's, he's one of those people that he, like, he very much cares about the way, you know, people see him. So he cannot understand that his son is like this. And he's, he's, always trying to kind of like tamp down his his weirdness in a way to protect him because he's like well I was made fun of and ridiculed you know my whole life I'm trying to save you from that but he can't see that mm-hmm. his son actually just likes who he is right. you know and is happy <laughs> being this outcast weirdo so like those are fun dynamics that I think you know you get to play with that again it's, it's a very true trait of Modoc and the Modoc we've seen in many incarnations but it's a way to kind of explore that through his family life. Yeah. And then getting into the comic book, which is a Modoc head games. 
now that is a project you've you've written with Patton Oswalt. Mm-hmm. And so how did how did you two end up hooking up in this project and and putting this together? And like, is it a continuation of the show or is it its own thing? Yeah, well, so so Patton and I go back many years ago, working on different pilots and stuff and have become friends over the years. So when Marvel asked for the the show or had asked us to kind of pitch. We 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 developed the whole thing together. So Patton is also a co-creator on the show and the voice of oh, of Modoc. And so after we had finished the show together, Marvel approached us about doing a comic and we had no interest in kind of just adapting our series. Our series is not set in the 616 Marvel universe. Uh it's it's its own universe and it's, okay. it's our own kind of take on the character. So if we were going to do a comic, we wanted to do one about the one from the comics, the one who's been there since, you know, Jack Kirby and Stanley created him in the 60s. And the thing about Modoc, which is really fun, if you go back and kind of read all his appearances, he's a really flexible character. Um, sometimes he can be this, this kind of monstrous villain, you know, who's mm-hmm. actually kind of terrifying. Other times he's played more comedic in, in comics like Gwenpool. And so he he's, to me, he's like Batman, where you can do all these different interpretations, right? You can have like an Adam West Batman, and you can have a Christopher Nolan Batman, or a Frank Miller Batman, or, you know, Saturday morning cartoon Brave and the Bold Batman. So (laughs) I think MODOK works well in that, like, as long as you get the voice right, I think, and the attitude, and obviously the the design, you can kind of do different versions of him. But we really wanted to do the, the comic one. So we were like, well, what if, you know, like, our show doesn't make sense in the comic world what if that was the story what if it was the comics modok suddenly having memories of this life that he never lived as this dad in the suburbs with with this family that the family from our show and it, it would drive that modok insane because yeah. that's like it, it wouldn't compute right like <laughs> it's like so how does that factor into me you know trying to take over the world so we thought that would be like a really cool mystery to launch the series and it's about Modoc going like is someone tampering with me what are these <laughs> memories who did this to me and it takes him on this this journey through his own comic book history so we were able to kind of go back and and bring characters like Iron Man and Gwenpool and the Serpent Society and other people he's kind of come across in his in his long history in comics where he's trying to find answers to to who he is and and what what these memories mean and and, and exploring mm-hmm. that through his own comic history. That's interesting. Yeah, because you, yeah, you tend to forget, you know, that it he's a computer. That yes. <laughs> some, you know, somebody programmed him or is continuing to program him, or maybe he's sentient. You know, that's an interesting. Did you address that as well? Like, and I know you can't give too much away, but are are any of the storylines really heavy on that? As far as you know, how is he operating? Is he being controlled? Is he in in control himself? Yeah. Well, in the show, we use it for a lot of good jokes, I think, where his, <laughs> his computer brain to me is a little dated. It's more like a Windows 95 kind okay. of version <laughs> of a computer brain. So it doesn't always work as well as he wants it to. But in the comics, we we gave it a voice. You know, there's lots of these different voices to MODOK. There's this guy, George Tarleton, who he was before he was turned into MODOK, who was this kind of... Uh, janitor at aim who was kind of forced into this experiment and, and oh, wow. turned into the supercomputer and then you know there's modok the villain who pontificates and wants everyone <laughs> to respect him and then there's this you know killing machine computer brain so in the comic what we did is we kind of gave different voices and fonts whether it's in the captions or in his dialogue where there's all these competing voices in his head 
you know, that there's a lot to Modoc. So even there's, there's a self-doubt that's even creeping in as the yeah. story progresses. And we gave that its own voice. The letterer, you know, did a fantastic job giving each one a distinct like identity and personality in it. So yeah. we, and the other thing we lean into was, you know, some people might say, oh, Modoc, every time we see him, he's kind of different. That's inconsistent. And we were like, well, what if, what if it's not? Because this character, Modoc's been assassinated and killed and revived more times than like any other. <laughs> right. You hear like he might have Jean Grey beat at this point. <laughs> and so we were like, well, that makes sense, right? That like he's he's a computer brain, so he's kind of rebooted every time. So he's a little different. He's a little off, and that would explain why he doesn't remember, you know, these memories or maybe how they got in there. So yeah. we we kind of leaned into it for the story. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense because if you look at things like Westworld, right, when they had the hosts and every time they would take them offline, for example, and then they'd bring them back and reprogram them to remember whatever they wanted them to remember. So it's kind of like that kind of a concept. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's that thing where, you know, machines just aren't as dependable <laughs> as we want them to and they and they mess up and and, you know, and I think that's a fun flaw to play with you know as a as a character in that like is the problem did someone do something to him or is the problem inside of him and or you know and and that you can be tampered with and he can't trust you know his own memories it's a really fun i think storytelling device yeah no absolutely and the art is really amazing as well you've got Cully hamner to who did the art is that that's correct right i think uh, it was just Cully, he did the covers Cully did the, the covers. covers okay and i geeked out because i'm a huge fan of his work you know he created the second blue beetle who's just mm -hmm. a fantastic character he's got such a great design sense so he was doing covers for us and then scott hepburn is doing the interiors and scott is just un unbelievably talented uh, he brings such an energy and kind of zaniness to the story you know i wouldn't call yeah. our comic a comedy book but we do have comedy in it right. uh, and that's a really hard thing to do in comics uh, it doesn't translate always because you comedy is about pacing, right? And mm -hmm. it's so hard to kind of sell a joke, the timing of a joke. And uh, Scott's just in incredible at executing that and 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 really doing amazing, you know, facial expressions and and layouts and stuff that really sell the jokes and the action. You know, I've I've, yeah. I've gotten a few pages from him because they just I need to put them on my wall so I can look at them every day. They're just so gorgeous. <laughs> It's it's been the best experience. It's such a fun process to move from from TV to comics because you know TV takes forever and comics is so immediate. So it would be the the best feeling in the world to write the script, send it off, and then a month later you're you're looking at the pages and they're coming in. You know, each day it's it's like uh, Christmas every day. It's unbelievable. That's cool. And as far as the collaborative process went, are you doing like the the panels first and then they're doing the art based on that, or vice versa, or both? Yeah, well, we, you know, I don't think we had the confidence uh, in ourselves to do the Marvel method because we were kind of, you know, learning on the job a little bit too. Patton had done uh, a lot more comics than I had previously. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we scripted it, but we always, you know, I think the goal is like, let's make Scott look good. Or, or if there's a better way to do this, Scott, go with it. You know, that was always the mm -hmm. caveat kind of written everyone like, here's how we kind of see it. But also if you see it a different way, you know, you're going to make this look incredible. So just, just do your thing. So I think that's, we were never slavish to our scripts with him. It was more of a suggestion. And then, you know, he could, you could do his own thing. And I think that's the, the fun of comics is TV is such a writer's medium mm -hmm. where, you know, you're really 
in control of it and you're there for the entire process, whether, you know, you're writing it or on set or, you know, recording actors if in animation or, or story, looking at storyboards, all that kind of stuff. You see it all the way through. Whereas comics, it's a, it's an artist medium. And, you know, it was really fun to kind of put our egos aside and go like, <laughs> let's just uh, write the, the best comic we can for Scott and just let Scott go. Cause it, you know, Scott's the star here and, yeah. and he's going to make this thing, you know, be something special. So I really liked that part of the process and the collaborative nature of it, of, of getting on the phone and talking through the issue with him and Patton and, and, you know, just kind of bouncing ideas off and starting to mm-hmm. figure out what he likes to draw and try and write towards that. That's cool. Like a camaraderie, you know, of sorts and a big team effort. Totally. Yeah. Did you face any challenges at all? Like when you were, you know, because you know you have a TV background and, you know, you're doing this comic and it's based on, you know, a character that already exists and, and you've got the show version as well. Was Were there any challenges at all? Any stressful moments? I think just, you know, there's, we were nervous to overwrite. I think a lot of people who come from TV into comics mm-hmm. tend to write like super dialogue heavy stuff and, it, and you end up just taking away from the art. And I think the first time you see the lettering pass, you see how big the bubbles are and you're like, oh my God, look, cut that. We don't need that line. Like the art t- <laughs> says the whole thing, you know? So I think it was just more learning to trust the process and, and getting out of our own ways and just be, be willing to like, you know, realize like, oh, you know, we don't, we, do, we don't need characters to speak that there. It's, it's totally coming across in, in the drawings and, and that. And I think also, you know, I'm as, as someone who is a reader who's at the comic shop every Wednesday, mm-hmm. you know, I, I always, I, I can be skeptical sometimes if I feel like someone's just trying to, you know, force their way into comics from the other side, from, from the, from the television or movie industry, or, mm. you know, trying to cash in and just turn their screenplay into a comic or, you know, not do the work maybe. Oh yeah. Just use their name. <laughs> yeah. Use their yeah. name or even just not spend the time to learn the medium because they're very different. And I think, <laughs> The idea that if you can write one, you can write the other is 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 absolute bullshit. And like you 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 have to completely use a different side of your brain and write specifically for this art form. So I, you know, even though this was my first comic, I feel like this is something I've always wanted to do. And I've been reading up on it and reading other writers' scripts. And I have a lot of friends who are comic writers and, you know, kind of consulted with them and read a lot of their scripts and and just made sure that we were really embracing comics versus just trying to do what we do in, in TV. Right. And do you, do you think that you are enjoying, I I know I hate to make you choose, but do you like to do comics more so than television or, or is it sort of just completely different? And I mean, what do you, what do you really enjoy doing out of the two, like what your passion well, I love I love television, and it is my job. And I will right, never right. say anything <laughs> negative about it. But comics are so much more fun. Yeah, because it's just like I said, it's more immediate. It's it's you're only working with a few people. You're getting it back so quickly, and then you can hold it in your hand. You know, a few mm-hmm. months later, versus kind of waiting a month, years. You know, for 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 TV stuff to come out. And I just think it, there's there's a lot of freedom to it. I think that the fun of writing comics is you don't have to worry about like writing something that's four quadrant or, or you holding, you need to hold the hand of your audience, right. To to (laughs) usher them into this crazy world. You're writing comics for people who speak the language, who, who know this so well that you can just jump into the insanity, like right out of the gate. 
and you don't, and you can build off the years of continuity and what people know of the characters. So you don't have to spend a whole issue int- introducing everyone to who Iron Man is, right? Like you can just, right. <laughs> you can just get into it and, and people are more willing to, to let you experiment, I think, and, and take bigger risks. Cause at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a less of a financial risk, right? If you're yeah. giving me millions of dollars to make a show, it better connect with a lot of people, you know, yeah, and, of and course. not lose anyone. But like, look, if you want to do a super weird comic, you know, it's, <laughs> you're not going to lose as much money on it if for some reason you fall on your face. So I love the freedom there where you don't feel uh, as obligated, you know, to, to play it maybe as safe. Yeah. Well, and I've heard many creators talk about, you know, the quote unquote Marvel, you know, the vault or whatever, the, the, all the character that have existed forever that when you're, you know, creating a a comic in that universe, you know, you can reach back and, and pick, you know, certain characters to be in your current incarnation. Are there any characters that um, you would like to have in MODOK that aren't currently in it? Well, we, we have a few X-Men characters and, and they're kind of more on the periphery, but like I would have loved to have written the X-Men themselves <laughs> into the show or the Fantastic Four. When we were working on the show, the rights were just starting to kind of revert back. So we were able to use a few kind of more, maybe more obscure characters or villains or, you know, but like Wolverine does not appear in MODOK in, in full form, but that would be amazing if he did. So I think some of those kinds of, of characters, but, you know, that being said, uh, a lot of the other ones that we did use are huge kind of A-list characters that you know from the movies and, and, and comics and stuff. So we, we really weren't told no too often. There'd be a, a very okay. random or obscure character <laughs> that, that they'd have a weird rights issue or something. Like we wanted to use Stiltman who was from Daredevil. And I think there was like a Daredevil issue there. So that was like a no. And, and then, you know, we'd ask for, you know, a guy who's on tons of lunch boxes and you know, <laughs> action figures. And they're like, oh yeah, he's fine. You can use him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's like more common. So yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. Do you think there'll ever be a, a live action, you know, Maduk or, or have him featured in any of the, you know, and I know you can't say too much, but have him featured in any of the up, you know, coming MCU type franchise films that are happening. Oh, they don't tell me anything. It's so <laughs> secretive. I, I couldn't, I don't know what's going to happen in Winter Soldier and Falcon. Your guess is as good as mine. Right. Um, <laughs> Except that it might break HBO, but. But they, let's see. Yeah. You know, I would love to. Like, yeah. that would be amazing <laughs> to see a live action Modoc. I don't know how they would do it, but it would, I would, I, I, they're, I'm sure they're up for the challenge. I hope they would cast Patton. I think oh, he yeah. would be a great live action Modoc. Just keep it keep it consistent, but you know he's he Monarch is having a, a renaissance right now. He's he's the villain of the Avengers video game that just came out. He's got oh, his cool. own Lego set just came out. Another action figure. We got our comic and the show. It's a good time for Modoc. So why not? Let's bring him to the MCU. That's right. Yeah, he actually seems like the perfect uh, shape for Lego. <laughs> yes, you know, <laughs> Le- Lego or Funko. He's he's essentially a living Funko doll. So. Yeah, or bobblehead or something would be cool yeah. too. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's, it seems like, you know, you're drawn to just like looking back at some of the other things you've done and what are currently doing, you, you tend to be drawn to like shows with, you know, humor and satire and, and sarcasm. So what is it about that style? I mean, is that just something that happened naturally or did you, you know, you prefer to work on, you know, projects where you can just 
really have a huge comedic influence on. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I started off in, in comedy and kind of bounced around, but there, again, like, especially adult animation, there's just this freedom, like in comics, that you can really do anything. And and I think sometimes, like, comedy is is the best way to 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 kind of get at honesty and 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 dig into these kind of emotional stories. I love being able to, you know, kind of build these insane, crazy worlds and have, you know, stories that are obviously driven by the comedy, but, but ultimately be, surprise you with how emotional they are or, or how relatable they are. And I think yeah. it's, 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 it's really fun to surprise your audience in that way where they think they know where the episode's going or what the tone of the show is. And then you can kind of subvert it. And I think obviously, you know, it's, it's a great time to be in a writer's room where you're with, <laughs> you know, the funniest people uh, you could find and you're all making each other laugh. Like it's, it's such a pleasure to write comedy. I mean, what a, what a fun job to just try and make your friends laugh all day, you know, and then put it in a script. <laughs> but again, I think it, it it's a great way to, yeah, explore who these people are, you know, and, and kind of push it to the absurd without losing, you know, what makes them human. Yeah. And you're still currently working on American Dad, right? No, American Dad to do Modoc a few years ago. So okay. uh, I have not written for the show, but I had the best time writing for that show. That staff is incredible. Some of the funniest people I've ever met. And it's such a a great show to, to write for. I love the characters on that show and, and the cast was incredible. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was, you know, I was on it for a very long time and it, it nothing but incredible memories from, from my experience. Yeah. That's the show's hilarious and it's so over the top and it's just, it's that like belly laughing, you know what I mean? Where you just find yourself laughing out loud. <laughs> yeah. um, but what was it like working with, with Seth MacFarlane? Seth is like, you know, he, I think, He's a genius, especially in voice acting. I don't think he gets enough credit for his his performances as a voice actor. Mm-hmm. I think everyone knows him as like the creator of this, the creator of that, you know. <laughs> but I was always blown away at table reads where he would come in cold having not read the script and bounce back and forth from Stan and Roger, switching voices, having conversations with himself. Oh. nail every joke on his first try and it would be the same recording him you know he, he would get it in one or two takes he's 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 a brilliant voice actor and I was always just blown away by his talent wow and that just makes your job easier and more fun <laughs> yeah he makes every joke funnier we we, ha- we don't have to try as hard yeah <laughs> And then on the, you know, you also were in the writing writer's room at Community as well, which is another hilarious show. And you have Joel McHale, who is his comedic timing is, is great as well. Was he kind of similar as far as, you know, comedic timing and just coming up with things off the script? Yeah. I mean, Joel, like, I feel like he almost comes at it like an athlete almost. Like he's one of the greatest comedic athletes I've mm-hmm. ever seen in that, like, our episode was called, it was the Meow Meow Beans one. And <laughs> it was this, this app that takes over the school and, and there's everyone kind of gets uh, kind of separated into their different groups based on the ratings and everything. And it, 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 it gets really crazy very fast. <laughs> and there was a huge, or actually it's a small segment of the episode, but he's, he's, it's a talent show kind of thing where he is doing stand up 
but it's like stand up directed at this new society that is formed overnight <laughs> based on this app. So it's like nonsense, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's skewering, you know, kind of stand up cliches. Yeah. And he did, he must've done like a three hour set that maybe got edited down to like three minutes or something, <laughs> but he, like take after take after take. And he just brought this energy to it. That was like, it was, it was unbelievable. I was exhausted. I wasn't even doing anything. I was just sitting at the monitor, you know, watching him go. And, and it's like, yeah, it was like two in the morning and he's just making everyone on set laugh their asses off. And like, to me, you know, it's one thing to be funny. It's like another to be able to commit to it so hard that you bring it every time and you're willing to just like go all in. And I think that was really impressive on, on Joel's part. Yeah, it's amazing ability to have that, you know, that improv and like the stamina, like you said, to just keep going all night yeah. long. I'd and, love to see a blooper reel. <laughs> yeah, and like come up with new things that were constantly making us laugh. Like he wasn't just reciting lines, he was improvising and 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 changing it every time. And it was it was That's so cool. <laughs> what a cool experience. Now also that actually brings me to another question. So especially in pertaining to you know, Modoc, that's your current show that's coming out soon. And when you are writing and then you have the voice, you know, actors, do you ever get inspired by the actors themselves? You know, like maybe you're going to go in one direction with the script and then, you know, an actor improvises and you're like, oh, I like that. Does that ever happen? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was lucky, you know, for Modoc, Patton was there. And, and okay. I was saying like, we would just pitch lines and then he would say them and you would know if they worked or not because Modoc's right there Modoc's telling me the joke <laughs> so that was always amazing and then you know there were definitely especially after we had cast the show you know with animation you can kind of do rewrites as 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 the process progresses you have animatics and colors and all that stuff so I remember you know we have John Daly playing the super adaptoid and the super mm -hmm. adaptoid was, was, was kind of written a little differently previous to him coming on and once he came on and he was so like unpredictable and and had this kind of manic energy that we we, we changed the voice of the character in the scripts even a bit and just started adding more things that would kind of showcase you know his ability to kind of go all over the place and and it's really he's so <laughs> funny so and we would just you know kind of let him go in the booth and then kind of rework the scenes around that. And, and a lot of the actors, you know, Ben Schwartz is an amazing improviser. And, and I think that influenced a ton of, of, of Lou's character. And, and then we, you know, Amy Garcia, who plays Jody uh, Monarch's wife on the show, her and Patton played so well off each other. We were able to get them in the booth together, oh, fun. you know, and, and kind of just build off of that. You know, you really want to pull from the actors, you know, Melissa Fumero mm -hmm. who plays Melissa on the show, her, her, her take on that character, the attitude, you know, originally she was a little more, a little more arch, but Melissa brought so much, so much humanity to it that we started to work that into the script that kind of beneath this, this queen bee teenager is, is this, <laughs> you know, girl who's hurting a little bit and, and dealing with stuff. So, you know, we, we pulled from, from all of their performances, uh, Beck Bennett, who plays one of, the, one of the villains on the show, Austin, who's. Oh, he's hilarious. I love him on the SNL. He's so great. He's, he's incredible. And so he's kind of the foil to Modoc. He's, he's, he's the face of the corporation that buys, uh, <laughs> buys up aim and drives Modoc insane. Oh, it's and, so, that's so fitting for him. I don't, I can just see him playing that. <laughs> 
Yeah, and he he played it so passive aggressive where everything is <laughs> delivered in a smile that I think we just kept pushing him to go further with it. And, and, and that kind of reflected in the writing as well. So really all of the whole cast, you know, really influenced, I think, you know, once you, once you hear them and they bring the characters to, to life, they infuse it with so much that you want to just kind of add to that and, and build around it. So we were able to, mm. to kind of change the scripts to, to fit that. That's cool. Now, how many um, episodes can we expect for the season one? It's going to be 10 episodes and they all drop at once. So you can just binge the whole thing. Oh, just, uh, you know, drink, drink a lot of coffee and just stay up. <laughs> right. All night long. Through all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I hate when uh, there's certain streaming shows that they make you wait every week. And I'm like, no, it's a streaming. I'm supposed to be able to binge watch it. <laughs> I know. I'm torn because I like with WandaVision, right? I feel like that mm. was the big, big one that, that became kind of like water cooler talk you know yep. I missed that a little bit because it felt like we were all sharing the experience you know mm -hmm. we were all talking about the same thing I think I love the ability to be invested in a show and just binge it and like consume it as one story but it, it, it feels a little less like you're always just recommending it to someone who hasn't seen it yet versus right. all talking about this one thing that has all of our attention so I think there's there's strengths and weaknesses to both sides but uh, you know I can't tell which one I like more yeah, I know. It's hard. With WandaVision, I actually waited for it all to be done so I could just binge watch it because a lot of those shows too, like there's so many nuances, right? You know, with, with that storyline specifically. And I, I was afraid that if I waited, you know, too long, I would miss something and have to, you know what I mean? And, but it was so hard because everybody was talking about it online and I was yeah, trying to How did scroll. you avoid it? How did you it, avoid the spoilers? It was so hard. I don't know. Every time I would just see, you know, that graphic of WandaVision, I would just scroll really fast. And, and the funny thing is Kenrick and Casey and John from the show, our show, we're doing a weekly you know, recap episodes. I couldn't listen to that either. And I'm like, <laughs> nobody tell me anything, please keep it out of the group chat. But <laughs> you got to be in like a little bubble. Yeah, exactly. But no, it was definitely worth the wait. It was a, it was a great, you know, it was a good show. But anyway, so you said there's 10 episodes, we can binge them all at once. And are you are you in the cast? I'm in the crew. Do you have anything special planned for the premiere at all? I wish. I mean, I feel like uh, even if it's a Zoom uh, chat. <laughs> yeah, we we will. I think we've talked about watching some of the episodes together, and it's been fun because we've had to do a lot of press and stuff. So you know, the cast recorded this so long ago that mm -hmm. we kind of needed to refresh them a little bit. So I've actually been able to do that a bit. Amy Garcia loves to watch it. So we'll, we'll, we'll Zoom watch a few episodes together, which is really, really fun. And, you know, Patton and I have, have watched them a million times <laughs> together. <laughs> I'm sure. They're very yeah. fresh for us. Yeah, I think, we're, you know, we're all like, okay, as soon as we get vaccinated and everyone feels safe, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna do a barbecue. And, you know, we keep talking yeah. about like, we're going to, we got to get together. This is crazy. It's so weird that like, we only see each other at like, virtual panels you know, right. now and stuff. <laughs> it's the most bizarre thing ever yeah i just i mean there's no more oh, i mean so there will be again but no premieres no red carpet stuff you know that's got to be strange for everyone in that industry yeah i was heartbroken the no comic-con because i've been going <sighs> for years and i was like ah this is my this is my year i got i did the panel for american dad and stuff and i was like this is my show it's gonna have a presence there it's gonna be amazing yeah. and then <laughs> it was like you know what i think there's bigger problems in the world but i'm gonna quietly you know, have a little pity party for myself. Yeah, no, you deserve that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Well, you said you're doing the WonderCon virtually. Are you Are you doing any of the other ones at all? I think was San Diego having a virtual one. 
I think this yeah, year. Yeah, I think they're going to do another virtual one this year. I think so. You know, usually you kind of do them like building up to the, the show. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll do a San Diego one as well to kind of come together to talk about it after everyone's seen it. It's been really weird. We've done two, two we did New York Comic Con and now we're doing WonderCon. And it's like, it's weird to do all these panels where you can't really spoil anything. So we're right. kind of talking about a show no one's seen and hoping people get excited about it. It's, it's a little harder to talk about something when, when no one's seen it. So we're excited. I would yeah. love to do one after it comes out. Yeah, yeah. well, and that, that could happen. I mean, next year, obviously, I think by that time, most people will be vaccinated and, you know, be flying and traveling again, for, hopefully. I think that'll be great because there'll be this like build up, you know, because everyone will have watched, you know, the season and then you get to go promote it you know, next year, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be, I mean, that's the most fun too, when you can talk to people about the, the show and see what they responded to. I, American Dad was weird in that it has like millions of people watch it, but it doesn't have that like fan base that like, you know, mm. since it's like it's, the fan base isn't as vocal. They're kind of more casual viewers, right. which is, you know, fine. You know, a lot of people be like, it's my favorite show to put on and get high and fall asleep to. And I was like, right. great, you know, <laughs> like for sure. Uh, so we, we, there was no feedback, you know, there wasn't like, we had no idea if people liked the show or not, except when we would do conventions and we would mm. do signings and stuff. And then people come up and tell you what they respond to. And like, that was the coolest part was just hearing Oh, that, you know, you liked that thing or, or you responded to that. We can write more of that. You know, it was like, yeah. it was a very weird show in that it was popular, but no one talks about it. <laughs> it's very true. Actually. I'd never thought about that before, but it is this like cult like following. Totally. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it'll also be interesting to see, you know, how much like Modoc cosplay there will be, you know, that'd be kind of cool to, to see if that po- starts popping up with the conventions. Uh, I hope so. Especially so, so Modoc's daughter, Melissa, who played by Melissa Fumero, is is a Modoc. She looks like him. So she is, but even though she's a giant floating head, she's like the most popular girl in school and everyone wants to date her. And uh, the design for her, it, they did such a good job with where she's kind of bedazzled her hover chair and she's like dressed like a hip <laughs> teenager. So I would love to see Melissa's in the future. Oh, that'd be so fun. <laughs> and the, the comic book is available now to purchase, right? Yeah, the first three issues are out, and then the final issue comes out in April. Okay, cool. So it's going to be just a four four issues. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, it sounds amazing. I can't wait to see it, and I can't wait to have you back on so we can actually talk more about it once it's been shown and there's no spoilers, you know? <laughs> I would love that, so I don't have to kind of step around it and only talk in vague things like, right. it's emotional and funny, and, yeah. <laughs> I could actually talk to you about details about the show. That would be be wonderful. Like subtext. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) totally. Well, yeah, no, thanks for coming on. You know, for everyone listening, check out MODOK on Hulu streaming May 21st. And then MODOK Head Games is available now everywhere comics are sold. Yeah, Jordan Bloom, thank you so much for being here today. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Notions of podcasts. We are Cthulhu. As Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind and read more.